0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm my like chip outs, man. I got
1: this, yeah. The we got Mac Shiner here as your moderator slash host. We got Reese Pulfer, Mr. Danny Kortz, a.k.a. UFC 4 beta testing Danny Kortz. And we have Mr. Kobe Kortz, our executive producer. How are we doing, gentlemen?
2: Doing very well. Yeah, we're doing damn good after the fights last weekend.
1: What a Love great it. card fun, we had.
2: What a card. What a card.
1: Dude. UFC 251, the premiere of Yaz Island. Let's go into it a little bit. Reese, talk to me about uh, yeah your favorite fight of the card. We'll go through the main events and the main card itself, but give me uh, give me your kind of quick thoughts on the uh, on the premiere of Fight Island.
2: You know, I again, I, I really don't have too much to say on Fight Island. I I do think it's hilarious that Dana put that ring on the beach for literally no reason other than show. I'm literally like, what, what are they doing it's with like- that? Uh, but, did you see know, the, the
3: picture time. that he took in it with the sunset? I mean, that's why he put it there. It's, it's for the it's grand. All, oh, yeah.
2: It's all show, dude. If they start fighting out there, now you got now you're in business. Um, but that's Dana, Master Marketer Dana. Um, you know, the whole card top to bottom really was exceptional. Um, for those who did ride the picks, we had a good night.
1: Very As good I night.
0: Yeah,
2: oh, yeah. I, I think all three title fights delivered.
0: Um aided by a couple the- of weird decisions. Yeah. there
2: were a couple of weird decisions we can get into that um but I think you know I, I loved how Peter Jan looked Piotr Piotr Jan looked um I think that was as much as he would have won the decision I think it was good that he stopped him I think that showed a lot of the force that he's bringing to that division um and you know what I I really am just excited to see uh these future cards coming I cannot wait to recap this bad boy
1: no doubt. And, Danny, what were your thoughts on, yeah, the card itself, the Fight Island experience, the production that they had, John Anik's role. Honestly, before I swing it over to you, I'm going to give props Michael Bisping in his first pay-per-view appearance as a commentator. I thought he was fantastic.
2: I hate this thing. <laughs> it's <worse laughs> so bad, dude. I only like looking at his,
0: like, messed up eye. <laughs> his eye is very funny. I thought he did well. Um, <laughs> I was amazed at how much of the Yas Island Productions was just a Abu Dhabi tourism video. I mean, I want to go. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was unbelievable title fights, um, a lot of fun. I noticed a lot of casuals were sad online being like the Kamaru fight was boring, but if you were expecting anything else, you just weren't going to get it. Um, and you don't
1: know Uzman in that sense either. Right, right. I mean, he's a winner. That that's, at, at, at the end of the day, he's a winner. And I think he'll be glad to take every decision win or even kind of the late, the late uh, finish he had last fight against Colby Covington. But all in all, I mean, he's a guy who just has been running through the welterweight division for the last five, six years now. If
2: we, uh, if we want the casual opinion on the card, just ask Kobe.
1: Kobe, what's your thoughts? A casual corner with Kobe. Kobe's casual corner. What's your thoughts? Kobe's casual
3: corner. I'm in the top right corner of my screen. I don't know what corner your screen (laughs) I'm in, but a casual corner over. Well, almost just lost the whiskey, but I caught it. Um, Man, I I I had a blast watching. Um, Couple of the obviously not main not main card fights were were a blast to watch too. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. Usman coming in. I I, don't, I didn't necessarily look at that fight saying that I wish I saw more. I mean, that was it. Looked like he won the fight the, the whole way. I think the Masvidal might have gotten that first because it came out strong. But uh, you can see kind of what six days of notice taking the fight, kind of coming on. Um, he kind of wore. But uh, overall, great night. Had a couple of drinks in me and picked some winning picks. So I'm excited about that.
1: You yeah, we're getting. Love,
2: you gotta love having the casuals steam that Usman line down to under 200. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. So, gotta love that, dude. Right. Going into the fight, all of a sudden that, that line started to steam down.
1: Yeah. And we'll get into our pick breakdown. I know Mr. Kobe uh, had a very hot night in terms of the picks leading up to the last one. And uh, yeah, looking forward to running through with the main event challenge hey, once can again. I just, but,
0: can I just say, I, I owe an apology to Trevor Whitman, Rose Nami Pat Barry, and that whole camp. Um, I, it really was her footwork that took those first two rounds. And as much as I think that if the fight had extended, uh, we might have a, a different person's hand raised, it really, like, I gotta say, the strategy and the footwork was, proved me wrong.
1: And the fight definitely was going Andrade's way towards the latter stages of round three. But early in that fight, Rose Namajunas looked like the champion she once was. Reese, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, you
2: know, I, it, it went exactly how I thought it was gonna go. Uh, in that first round and the first time around, you could tell that Andrage had a tough time closing the distance. Uh Rose has always been good at keeping distance, distance striker, you know, tallying the scorecards up. Um, you know, that's one I wish I actually could have seen more of. Uh I I, I wish that was a five rounder. I think that could have been a totally different fight. Um, I think that if they do ever, you know, rematch in a main event, uh that's something that again, I, I think I'd still be team Andrage. But, you know, props to Rose. I know it was a split decision, but uh, I, I have to admit I was I was wrong on that one. I think I think Rose did take it.
1: Yeah, and I think one thing that was a big question coming into this fight was uh, Rose's mentality leading into the fight. We know that she did take the, the first title defense that she had against Jessica Andrade in Brazil on the road. And I think just having it at a neutral site, I think, benefited Rose as well as it seems that Pat Berry is a legit head coach for her, not just a, a partner for moral support, but uh, a legendary kickboxer himself. It seems to have paid off in this camp. Danny, what are your thoughts?
0: Um, yeah, exactly. Um... I don't know. I just definitely, I mean, Rose impressed me. She she really impressed me. I thought that she wasn't going to be able to keep herself kind of dancing around for all three rounds. And as she got tired, it definitely wore down a little bit, but she, I mean, she won the first two rounds decisively and there's nothing yep. really I can say about that. It's, I almost think that um, it should be a standard thing that any top three ranked contender fight should be five rounds to go in. And we don't have the arguments of the Zabit, Calvin Cater, and you don't have the arguments of, like, was it the last fight of the card or not? It's just if you're a top three versus another top three, that should be a title fight groomer almost. Yeah
2: that's yeah. a cater was so weird though cuz that was a main event still and right that was the first time I
0: was looking at that so I didn't was was beat negotiated it yeah, he, was, he was I don't want, want that. this guy yeah. for partially, that, on, that. He didn't partially
1: that. that but also the fact that they they scheduled that main event on very short notice uh it was not a, it was not a full six weeks that gave the guys enough time to train for the five round fight so yeah I, I was reading about that earlier today but yeah what a performance arose get back get back on the on the winning trail and don't want to leave her in the dust, but Amanda Hebos with an incredible first round finish over Paige van Zant, I know that last week we talked about Van vanzant's difficulties as kind of that elite fighter that it seems that she is embodied on the on our Instagram page at least, but in terms of uh yeah he uh finish, what do you think Reese? what were your thoughts on the uh yeah, first round was, submission?
2: to me that was the most predictable fight on the card mm-hmm. um I, I like i said i had Four units on the under, and that was one of the safer bets on the night for me. Look, Paige Van Zandt is absolutely, you know, one of the figureheads for women's UFC. I think a lot of people look at her as, I mean, pioneer is a strong word, but one of the staples. The thing is, is she leans so heavily on her social media presence. She leans so heavily on her looks that people want to ride with it, and people love it. The problem is, is Amanda Hibas is a hell of a fighter. Her submission yeah. game is – I think she beats her everywhere, ground and standing and clinch. I think she beats her all over. But, I mean, that looked like a knife, a warm knife going through butter. I mean, that was just – the line – the minus 700 wasn't steep enough. Think about that. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, once K-Boss got control of Paige, that fight was over. I mean, very, very and, soon and after, there was contact. Follow, was I'm interested
2: over. to hear your guys' opinion about, too, is does uh, Paige Van Zandt re-sign with the UFC? That's a question. Yeah.
1: So, Danny, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, I'm I'm a little bit concerned with Bellator's whole landscape right now. It seems like all their promotion in uh, like under the sun is returning or has a plan to return. We have heard mum from Bellator. Uh, yeah, even LFA's put on
1: cards now, and whether I'm hearing about Ryzen as well as ONE FC right. starting to uh, get events scheduled. Yeah, I mean without Bellator. card,
0: uh, Fourth of July weekend. Yep. Um, ever, everyone's getting their fighters paid except for Bellator.
2: No, I was just saying if you're Paige though, and she's alluded to the fact that, um, she makes more money via social media and Instagram than she ever has in the UFC. And it's kind of like the Connor theory. I mean, why do you want to go in there and get punched in the face? I mean, I know they love this sport, but they can still yeah. spar, they can still train. Um, so I think she's really going to put the pressure on Dana and, and I don't, I, I really don't think he's going to give back. I, He's yeah, like the talent, you know, and, and the, not not talented, but you know, the rest of the time, I think
3: making money on Instagram is a better, uh, easier way to find some funds than uh, fighting in a ring every couple of weeks. I can't blame her for that decision if that's the one she chooses. Yeah, in I mean,
1: it is, it is an octagon, first and foremost, but secondly, her husband, um, Austin Vanderford, is fighting in Bellator so I think that's really the key factor here I think she does still want to fight that's everything that uh leading up to this uh this card made it seem as if she still wanted to fight but really her husband being a fighter in Bellator that it made more sense for them to be fighting on the same promotion so
2: that's interesting I mean that'd be a good leg up for the the whole roster for Bellator I know Bellator's yeah. known for taking the UFC washed ups you know Loyota Machida all the heavyweights Rampage and, and that's I guess that's working for them but you know, is Paige, just the name value alone could bring some eyeballs to that uh, promotion.
1: Definitely, definitely. So let's get into the title fights. I know that's really kind of where the focus was uh, this past week. With the first one, the uh, the vacant bantamweight title, Peter Jan knocking out Jose Aldo in the fifth round. I know we will definitely get into the, uh, what could be called a late stoppage in that fight. But Danny, what were your thoughts on Jose Aldo and his, uh, his return to bantamweight and how he looked against Jan in this fight?
0: Um, I, I, as an Aldo sexual, I'm sad. Um, <laughs> it's, it seems like the UFC is very much, and not, not so much am I trying to put any blame on them. It, Aldo has taken and accepted and earned every single fight that he's gotten, but it seems like he's been put up to fail um, in almost every single bout that he's given. He's always looked good. He's looked – I mean, I my biggest concern when he initially made the move to abandon weight was the cut, and the cut's never been the problem. He's always looked good. He's looked great against Marlon. He looks like he somehow has a better chin at 35 than he did at 45. But he's keeps on facing some world beaters, and, and this Piotr Jan is just the, the newest world beater in the division. Um, I, I, I want the best things for Aldo. I, I want – I'm kind of hoping he gets a a little bit of a money fight like maybe a Cody Garbrandt next um, and that'll be a a better matchup for him and I think uh, I think he can maybe take that one but I do think that Marlon and Piotr have just kind of been out of his caliber
1: yeah that's an interesting take as well I think Aldo did look good I mean at least to my eye he had the leg kicks going he had that Muay Thai style that he's really Mm -hmm. known for but it seems as if the power and the pace that Jan put on, and in both stance's orthodox and uh, in that southpaw look, he was still more effective in terms of the uh, the level of strikes. Reese, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, I
2: was just saying the thing that really jumped out to me um, was I was always saying I was under the impression that when Connor uh, landed that left on Aldo, he took his soul with him. I thought he was never going to be the same. After that, you heard talks of retirement. Um, he always seemed like he didn't really want to be there, and he always talked about just riding out his contract. He got smoked by Holloway a couple times there. And I really thought that was the end of Aldo. Now, I personally scored the Morais fight for, uh, for Aldo. I thought he got robbed. I think many UFC, did. I think the UFC giving him this title title bout was the admission of that. And they go, you know what? You're a legend. We think you put on a performance. Um, I, As much as I love Aldo and I love his legacy, I, I don't think he's outclassed right now. I think – Jan put on a good performance. I think at 145, you look at Holloway, you look at uh, Volkanovski, those are both world, world-class guys, and, and Aldo's on that come down. Um, but what I consider Aldo, I think Aldo's top three, top five in both divisions. And yeah. I think as long as he wants to stay and he wants to keep fighting, which I feel like I see out of him, um, you know, I think I think there's still a lot of good stuff to see out of Aldo.
1: And the yeah. guy's only 33 years old right now, too. I mean, he's had all the title wow. fight experience yeah. of, of any UFC fighter, but um, at 33, still got his legs under him. And I think one thing that was interesting to see was that Peter Jan did definitely take some damage in this fight as well. It was not as if it was a complete uh, one-way street in terms of the uh, the damage laid. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Aldo definitely, definitely stood his ground and uh, looking forward to seeing him, whether that be a 135 or 45. Yeah, it looks like you have something to say. What do you got?
0: Yeah, in my opinion, of the three title fights, this one was by far the most fun. Um, yeah. I mean, Aldo Aldo definitely looked like he was he was in there. I just, Piotr kind of kind of had his number, I guess.
1: Yeah. yeah. And Kobe, do you have any thoughts on that as well?
3: Until you just said it, I had no idea that Aldo was only thirty three. I feel like that's a pretty young number for for the guy that looks like that. He yeah. He, he can certainly take a beating. I know that's no new news, and uh, being only 33, there I, that, that he's got some life left him. I also loved. Um, I don't know if y'all saw. I'm sure you did. But did you see what Cejudo texted after tweeted out after the fight? He said, "Congrats at Peter Yan with kisses with kissies, but you absolutely suck. You'd be lucky to make, <laughs> make it past two rounds with Triple C. You ugly potato." #Hashtag Rentachamp. Wow. The other
0: thing about Aldo's like leg- cringes thing- back. Thing- was that um, halfway through that fight, I think it was in the middle of the third round, they highlighted on the broadcast that it was the, it was the, the, the pace that they set was ridiculous. I think Aldo had thrown and landed more significant strikes than in any other title fight, or I think in any other fight that he had been in his career, um, which is just, I mean, for a guy with the resume of Jose Aldo and the amount of title fights and five round wars that he's been, um, for that pace to be maintained is kind of ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a great fight. Definitely was, had its back-and-forth moments. It seemed as if, uh, although maybe he had a little bit less, less gas in the tank as it uh, went to the championship rounds at the end. I know we have not seen him quite yet at a, uh, in a five-round fight at 135 until this past weekend, and it was definitely good to see that he was able to, to hold up until kind of the end. Um, Reese, what were your thoughts on the stoppage? I know it seems as if uh, Jan hit about 30 to 40 uh, un, unmatched strikes um, and all those pretty much covering up for life at the end. What were your thoughts on the uh, on the stoppage there? You
2: know, I think the hardest job in all of sports is being a UFC ref or MMA ref. Yep. Uh, if you call it a second late, you're in trouble. If you call it a second early, you're in trouble. Um, and I, as, as barbaric as this, as this is, tend to lead on, on letting them go out on their shield and trying to allow them, um, even we talked about that Pat Barry, uh, when he gave him that, Come, come back to Congo. I mean, these guys train so hard and give so much effort. Um, I think that if you ask Aldo about the stoppage, he would he would say it was good. And I I, I find that a lot of the time. Um, I mean, there's limits to the madness, but uh, I think you know, as as much as people want to complain, I, I didn't hate the stoppage. I really did. Yeah, it was good.
1: It I think also there's a little bit of recency bias with the uh, Anthony Smith stoppage a few weeks ago as well uh, that. Exactly. That definitely got dragged out a little bit. I mean, in terms of my take, I think it should have been stopped a little bit earlier. I know you, you can say go out on your shield, and there's definitely merit in that. Uh, fighters should go out when they want to go out. But in terms of when you got enough left in the tank and you're kind of curling over in a ball, holding your head, and constantly being berated with shots, um, I think enough's enough at some point. Danny, what question. are your thoughts on that? Oh, well, here's a question.
2: So, this is what I just wonder when it comes to this. Do you think while watching these events that there's more? Early stoppages that people complain about or more late stoppages that people complain about? Because I feel like it tends to shade early because you're taking that fight away from the guy. And and yeah. I remember Dominic Cruz against Henry Cejudo, Um, that early stoppage took that title chance away from Dominic Cruz. Now, if this is a first card in the prelims or, or a middle prelim fight and um the guy stops at a hair early, but the person's really, you know, looking pretty slow and getting beat up. I go okay. You know what? Like, save your career. You're young. You got. Time. Yeah. There's a title fight for a 33 year old Aldo. I, yeah. Because Aldo. Yeah. Gotta shade, you got a shade on letting him try to survive, try to come back, because you've seen crazier
0: comebacks before. So. Yeah. I I tend to agree with Reese, and when and to answer his question from a second ago, I personally get much more frustrated for an early stoppage than late, um, just because I want to give the fighters a chance. Not so much about dying on their shield. But I, I like looking, thinking back of Saturday, I was really frustrated with the stoppage. Um, I thought it should have come maybe like 30, 30 40 seconds earlier. It, to me, it looked like when Jose stopped trying to fight the hand and started just covering up and turtling, he was no longer fighting back. And he yeah. was kind of just a punching bag at that point. And that's where I tend to draw the line but I I also do tend to agree with Reese where I'd be, I'm, I'm, I mean, thinking back of the uh, Kutalaba and Goliath fight, which was on the um, prelims to the Devison Figueroa Joe beef fight. The first one um, that was like a seven second stoppage that both men were on their feet and it's taken a random prelim and, made it uh like perennial they booked it three more times now they booked it on 250 it got canceled now it's booked on 252 and they're both main card fights and yeah. like to me somehow this premature stoppage and like question marks surrounding the bout had given so much more attention to it and like kind of highlighted it guys, as a featured bout do
2: you guys remember that
0: Gavin Tucker fight way back in the day um
2: Oh, I can't remember who was against, but he got absolutely annihilated for three three rounds, just brutally annihilated. And it was in my opinion, the worst no stoppage or super late stoppage I've seen in, in a long, long time. And Gavin Tucker was saying, he was thanking the ref because, I mean, we haven't seen him in the UFC since, but yeah. for allowing him the opportunity to continue to fight. Because when they sign up, they go in there and that's not for everybody. Um, and I think that you know, preserving your career and taking as little damage as possible is key. Uh, It's just tough because it's a title chance. You've really got to let Aldo try to, you know, do what he can. But it's a little bit barbaric, I know. I just – I'm a purist and I really want – I just remember in Pride days when they wore wrestling shoes and would kick their heads when they were on the (laughs) ground. It's gotten a lot safer. It's just the title fight, you know. You you would like to see Aldo fight, but I I think the stoppage
0: was – you know, it could have been a little earlier, but I had no complaints. You want to go back to the days where Boston Salmon could be a could be a, <laughs> a, a title t- caliber?
1: Well, if you haven't seen that yet, yeah, there was a pretty crazy, uh, I believe, DQ in Ryzen, if I'm not okay. mistaken, in LFA. Thank you, Danny. Uh, involving Boston Salmon, a, uh, a, a Dana White contender series. That, but in terms of the evolution of the sport and the kind of standardization and legitimizing factor within the sport, Moving on to the other title fight that we had um, with Holloway and Volkanovsky. I know there's been a lot of backlash in the media. I know myself as well. Um, I had Holloway in that fight 3-2. I think the two knockouts early, two knockdowns early in the fight should have held more merit uh, as we move forward. But uh, Alexander Volkanovsky retaining the belt against Holloway. Danny, I'm curious your thoughts on the fight as well as what are your thoughts about a potential trilogy fight, uh, albeit Volkanovsky up 2-0 in the series?
0: Um- as, as you guys all know, I was, I was on Volkanovski. I yeah. think you guys were all on Volkanovski. No, so everyone was on Volkanovski
1: happened. except me. Um, I had Holloway so by I, decision, actually. On that.
0: Um, in that respect, I mean, I was, I was relieved because I won money when the decision happened. Um, but I was shocked. And I think that everyone in the room with me, uh, whether it was just my roommate or girlfriend, they were shocked as casuals. Um, they saw Holloway winning that fight pretty obviously. Yeah. And the early drops definitely helped. Um, I did rewatch that fight or not the whole fight, just the third round this morning. Um, and I have to say it, my opinion changed a little bit. It's a little, the third was a little bit closer than I thought. And I thought that the fourth and fifth both kind of not, it, not so clear, not so much as Max did in the first two, but I thought that both pretty differentiated himself in, in the fourth and fifth. And then. Rewatching the third kind of changed my whole opinion. I didn't really see it so much as a robbery anymore, just kind of a swayed decision. The early, the early scorecards in uh, earlier in the night kind of have swayed my opinion the night of. But um, I don't know. I thought it was a very close fight. I thought that Volk looked skinny walking into the octagon. A little bit. Uh, he definitely like ha- must have had a, a tougher camp or a tougher cut. Um, I'm happy that Holloway is still in his prime and still the the boxer that I love watching and that I'm going to continue to love watching. Um, I don't, that being said, I don't have a ton of interest in a trilogy. Um, I think that this division is too stacked. I think that clogging it up is a mistake. Um, I think you give uh, Max the winner of like a, Yair's a beat match. One thing that I think could be really fun that I know I texted you guys about that will never happen is if Holloway goes and gets his money fight with the rematch with McGregor. Um, a big red panty night for the Hawaiian. Maybe, maybe give Rush and, uh, a new set of Air Jordans. Um, it, it does the division no favors to book a trilogy.
1: Yeah, so Danny, thank you for the monologue there. I really appreciate the, uh, the level of depth you went into there. So I appreciate the take on that. Um, definitely, definitely a close fight. I know there is some talk right now about the scoring system within MNA, MMA as well. Um, the fact that um, around like rounds one or two for Holloway with a uh, knockdown in each were worth the same as a pretty close round in round three as well as rounds four and five where Vulcan obviously definitely set the tone but was not landing those damaging shots that we're seeing kind of early on. Reese, I'm curious about your take on the fight, your thoughts on the potential trilogy, as well as, yeah, where does Max Holloway go from here?
2: It's a great question. Yeah, so um, I know I'm on the uh, definitely not the majority here. Uh, I actually think Volk got that fight. Um, It's very, very, very close. I also am with Danny. I had money on Volk, so the the bias is definitely there. Um, The thing with me and title fights is I hate seeing a title get relinquished on a fight that is almost a draw. I think that if it's very, very close, and I know you need to score it by round, Max definitely got the first two. But if you're looking at yourself and you're looking at one another and you're like, who the heck won that fight? Um, I always tend to like when it goes towards the champion. John
0: Jones taught us at 247 that rounds four and five count double. John
2: Jones has taught us multiple times. Um, But the thing that's crazy is – you know, you, you got a guy like Volkanovski, 22-1. and one. You got a guy like Holloway who reigned the division for a long time, one and three in his last – or one and two yeah. in his – no, one and three in his last one four. One and three in his Volk last four, four yeah. Eight. Yeah, and Volk twice. Mm-hmm. One and three in his last four. I think Holloway doesn't look like he slowed at all. I think Volkanovski is a really bad stylistic matchup for him. Um, I think he does good against a lot of those top featherweight guys. But all in all, as an MMA fan – um, I was really happy it went for Volk. I love Max. I, I've always loved Max. I've loved the rise. I like both
1: guys a lot, to be honest, He's too. Amazing. I think Volk's like, a great yeah, champion I love both well. guys.
2: But I just think, um, you know, it's Volk's time right now. And I'm glad that if it's that close, I'm, I'm glad they, they let the challenger continue to reign.
1: Yeah, and as we hand it over to Kobe here, Kobe, in terms of the economics of the UFC, I know we talked about last week how kind of my take that Mick Maynard and Sean Shelby's jobs are really economist jobs. Uh, they're not only there to put on competitive fights, but also put on fights that generate pay-per-view buys or just monetary uh, yeah, inflow to the, the company as well. In terms of the lasting effect of not having a third fight, this big featherweight trilogy fight, what are your thoughts in terms of, should the judges have a little bit of, should the UFC be able to, to talk with the judges a little bit, at least to sway them one way, or do you appreciate the... Uh, the complete independence that the judges have.
3: That was actually one of my biggest questions. I was going to kind of come and pose it to you guys. So after the fight, I was listening to Dana and he had a clip where he was obviously getting asked by the media about that fight and that decision. And he was pretty adamant that Max had won the fight, that he asked the media Volt, if any of them had Volk winning. No
1: and one raised their hand. Yep.
3: As, as a relatively casual here, granted I was watching with even more casuals, but, uh, as a relative casual, I, did, I mean, I had money on Volk, and so I'm glad the decision came that way. But I, I definitely didn't have – or I, I, I certainly didn't see how Volk won that fight and certainly didn't see how he won on decision there. And Dana basically asked the media if anybody had Volk winning that fight, how that all came down, and he was pretty critical of the judges there and basically saying that we need to get – I don't know if he said new judges. I don't know if that was a quote, but he said something along those lines. And I'm thinking of like other sports where like a player – like not even close to that critical of refs and of um, officiating, and they get fined for that. But obviously, as a commissioner, he's not finding himself. So I'm curious how that happens. Like what?
1: Yeah. Well, there's independence between the athletic commissions that put on the fights that uh, make the fights official, and it's their job um, to supply the judges and refs. I know in foreign countries, UFC normally kind of handpicks those who are going to come with them, and then they do get certified within the uh, the host country but yeah in terms of yes Zabit, this main event coming up this weekend is going to be electric but does it have the same pull and the same effect especially on the casuals which we know the sport is really growing into uh, accommodating not having that third fight because of how close the second one was Danny what are your thoughts on that
0: well to go into Kobe's question a little bit um yeah Max you had it perfectly these these judges aren't UFC employees uh in like the NFL the refs are UFC or NFL employees in the NBA the refs are NBA employees but these guys are just due to love MMA that are in a certain state that like if you want to be an MMA judge you're an MMA judge you get a local fight you go watch an amateur you score it you talk to the guy who put it on the like leader of the athletic commissioner the representative whoever's there he thinks you did well you move on to a bigger card you get another fight and that's kind of how these are. these are random guys that own a gym or that like box a little bit, or that they're just really interested guys in this, in the sport. And I do think that it'd be a major step in the right direction to kind of get a group of 30 guys who are certified UFC judges and certified by the UFC to call a fight a certain way. And that takedowns are worth this amount. And what you do with the takedown is worth this amount. And it's, it's, I mean, there's just been so much after every single big card in question of what are they looking at? What am I looking at? That's different. Like how much is this worth? What is that knockdown in the first round worth versus a guy out pointing you in the fourth? They're worth the same amount in terms of rounds. That's weird to me. Um, I I, think there could be a lot of standardization.
2: I could not, and Danny, I love you to death, but I couldn't disagree more with getting the refs, um, handpicked by the UFC and there's one reason why and it's not that um, I don't think it might be better for the overall individual fights I think you're onto something there Um, I think the problem is with how uh, it's scored I think that people get mad because on a round-by-round basis Mm -hmm. I think they tried to fix that by making 10-8s more you know usable by the judges to to help the scores a little bit Um, here's the reason why I think that the most detrimental thing the UFC could do is handpick the own crop of judges they're a business and their their goal is to you know promote like dana's rooting for certain fighters when mcgregor's on the rise you're telling me you think dana wants mcgregor to get stopped hell no. and mo there's a ton of guys and the best they can do is handpick those fights for them you know give them the you know mcmaynor can give him all that all the guys that he wants but if you're starting to pick Hand-picked judges I think that's when the judging can become biased that's when the judging can become controlled and I think that are there bad decisions times and times Ab- absolutely it's sometimes it's beyond shocking but it, it's not like boxing's any different boxing's a yep. night. boxing's way worse and so yep. I think the way the scoring is could change maybe you try to grade the whole fight on a basis or something um there's definitely things that can be discussed but I think keeping the refs independent is so important for the UFC because you'll start seeing guys get handpicked to win fights mm-hmm. and they know that if they go to the decision they'll edge out because for whatever reason, you know, they're they're better for marketing or they're better for business and I, and I I can
0: definitely see that. I I just also think that I I definitely see that. I think that regardless of if it's um standardization or a change in the rules versus a change in how they select judges um some kind of standardization is going to be meaningful in ufc and mma moving from or moving more towards a sport and not sports entertainment like well definitely i think
1: one thing for sure that they're looking into i know that john annick talks about this on uh, his podcast as well as during the broadcast each week is having an ability to score the round yes 10-9 but how rounds one or two where max holloway scored knockdowns in each round should mean more you would think than closer more competitive rounds four or five but a point i want to bring up and i think we see this across the board that a lot of the decision winners um whether it be picked by good judges bad judges a good night a bad night is really how the fight ends and how the fight finishes up in the last couple rounds and definitely alexander volkanovsky was the uh the better fighter in the last two probably three rounds as well but uh, there's, a, there's a point to be heard um, regarding the knockdowns, especially, uh, yeah, early in the fight. I think, yeah, I think those should have a little bit more merit. Reese, what are your thoughts on that?
2: It's just tough because I, I just, you know, I I think that you need to grade the fight as a whole. And the way the judges are supposed to grade yeah. it is by round. So they don't go at the end of the rounds and go, you know, those last two Volk really dominated. I'm going to go ahead and change the third. You know, they they do it by round. They're going along with it. And I think that there definitely needs to be changes in the system. And I know um, a lot of guys in the sport uh, and around the sport, like Joe Rogan vocalizes this a lot. Yep. It's something that needs to be addressed. Um, I just I think the, the most dangerous thing that could happen for this sport is the UFC you know, having their hands in that independent party just because um, you, you really want to see uh, as independent of judging as you can. And yep. however that happens, I, I just think the biggest issue is the rules need to be more clear. That's what I Def-
1: think. Definitely. And then, Kobe, I'm going to give you the last word. Any final thoughts on what definitely will be a discussion that we have uh, in the coming weeks, months, years, uh, the UFC is with this scoring system right now? What are your final thoughts on, uh, on this and the, the, uh, the fight itself as well?
3: Uh, I, I see where the issue would become a real issue. If UFC was handpicking judges that had final say in who's winning fights, they, I'm, I'm comparing it to other sports now where obviously like NBA officials are, are employed by the NBA, but they don't necessarily have the outcome. They're not scoring the game. They're officiating the game. So I, I see kind of Teresa's point, why you can't have UFC determining the judges where their business, they're going to choose the winner. You can't really have that happen. But uh, I, I still, and again, this is from a casual opinion. I, I feel like there's and, – and, again, maybe Reese, watched, Reese and Danny sound like they walked the fight, the third round particularly, again, and maybe came away with a little bit different opinion than you had live. So uh, maybe maybe that's my takeaway there.
0: Definitely.
1: And, yeah, I mean, we could talk about this all day. It definitely definitely be a discussion that we have, especially uh, the next – whether it be early stoppage or controversial decision, we definitely will have those moving forward. And I don't want to uh, leave him hanging, but the champ, the Nigerian nightmare, Mr. Kamaru Uzman, taking care of business once again. I mean, the guy is an absolute machine, uh, basically unparalleled across the UFC, absent maybe John Jones. And he takes on Hori Masvidal, who definitely looked good, especially early. Definitely had some damaging strikes early and withheld the, uh, the pressure of Usman over the five rounds. But Usman taking that by decision, uh, unanimous decision, I know one round, uh, did go to Masvidal on the judges' cards. Uh, was, I believe it was a 50-45, 50-45, 49-46 fight. Reese, I'm curious about the latest uh, volume of uh, the Nigerian Nightmare and his title reign. Uh, Yeah, what were your initial thoughts on that as well Uh, as Masvidal?
2: I actually took uh, Usun by decision um, at the plus line. I think he's the type of guy that people don't realize he's as dominant because he rides so much out to decision. Yeah. Um, But... I don't think people fully understand the difference in athleticism between him and other people in the class. I don't think people understand the strength difference, the um, wrestling ability, the striking power and ability. And, and he's not even a Chris striker by any means. If you watch his tape, there's a lot of holes. I mean, he started striking yeah. eight. He really did. It's just, he's got so much raw power and so much to fall back on that when a guy's hitting with the low kicks when he's always fainting takedowns you're like okay you can't sit there and time is striking as well because he's a threat everywhere and I think that people tend to like the guys who have those flash KOs the guys who make a big scene like the Francis and Ganos. everyone even the casuals are like that guy's the future heavyweight champ not as much talk about Kamaru Usman and when I saw a lot of people who tune in every once in a while riding Mazadol. I mean has Mazadol made a lot of noise last year absolutely fighter of the year in my opinion um but when you look at them at just a pure raw basis the caliber of fighter that Usman is in comparison to Mazadol is really unmatched and I I just I, I saw that that was pretty predictable
1: yeah we're only a few fights away from Kamar Usman being uh yeah put on a pretty high pedestal with uh, other welterweight legends of the sport our GSPs uh, of, of the sport, but Danny, I'm curious your thoughts, what were your thoughts on Masvidal and his look uh, in his first title fight ever, albeit a long career he's had thus far?
0: Um, yeah, I just wanted, that was a good, it was interesting that um, Kamaru did tie GSP's total wins in, at yeah. welterweight with this uh, bout, but um, George really did impress me, taking it on six days notice, I know, um, I know he'd been training and training with great wrestlers for a while, but i expected i as as one sided as it was i expected it to be even more one sided um george came out there and won the first round on some judges scorecards um and very much was holding his own and didn't seem to overly gas as much as he did gas um but you would expect him to gas on six days i i i thought he really impressed me um one other interesting thing i thought was with the whole renegotiation for George um, he ended up only walking away with 350k and which is 150 less than Kamaru had got to show up which is an, it, like it's just when you look at the talk leading up to this entire fight and the like I I sell you fight kind of back and forth it's interesting to note that even with the Kind of the Kawas and Jorge having the UFC buy the balls, they still can't make real champ money.
1: So here's a, uh, a point to that, Danny. And thank you for the uh, yeah disclosing the fighter pay there. Um, one piece of that's not that's definitely absent as part of that pay package that you're seeing is the pay-per-view buys. And right. with no no doubt about it, Jorge Masvidal is getting a larger piece of the pie of that pay-per-view money. Um, I would be very very surprised to hear that he made less on this fight than Kamaru did. I think, uh, yeah, as we've seen with the Nate Diaz BMF title and that card and how well that sold, as well as the 1.3 million pay-per-view buys that this card had as well. I really think Masvidal probably ended up uh, the wealthier fighter in in the end, but uh, yeah, I appreciate that as well. to get going into the first UFC fight night of Fight Island. Uh, a great card headlining by uh, a featherweight bout that we're all very excited to see. Calvin Cater taking on Dan Ige in the main event. Also, a lot of other fights to break down to the main card. But first, I noticed our second episode, uh, we, the guys and I talked, and we, we started working through some sponsorships. So the first sponsor we have on deck, we got Zinn, three milligram cinnamon. Uh, it's dipped, but it's not. Reese, who's your sponsor of the week?
2: You know, my, my sponsor is the good old-fashioned bullet bourbon. Um, when your pick's miss and you need a
0: bullet to the dome, choose this.
1: Choose a nice bourbon. Danny Koritz. Uh,
0: my sponsor of the week is Rawlings. If you're uh, <laughs> if you're not sure what to uh, put into your biking gloves during your weigh-in while you uh, stare at Khabib and kick his belt off the stage, Rawlings baseball. By the way, back Rawlings 20. only fans, not that bad.
1: kobe your sponsor of the week
3: i missed the memo on the show and tell part of the sponsorship but uh sponsored by yas links uh true abu dhabi Uh, (laughs) i want to give a weekly shout out one of our boys mutual friend of all of ours hit a hole in one this week first of his career and uh that'd be alec greenberg and congrats to you buddy on a hole in one that's a that's a life goal of not only mine but i think everyone else on the podcast and uh, yeah
1: that's one more than kobe and I thus far um awesome. Then, so, yeah, Danny, go for. it. Before we
0: get into the card, um just another MMA and combat sports news. I know we had a big Submission Underground event last night hosted yeah. by uh the bad man himself, Chael Sonnen. Um a couple notes from it. Just being excited about Bryce Mitchell's Bryce Mitchell's addition to the promotion's roster for um Submission Underground 17 coming up August 30th. Wow. Um not to mention, we had a, in the co-main event, Richie Martinez, Kevin Casey, a little bit of old school, new school jiu-jitsu, 10th Planet versus Gracie Barra. Um, in the end, we had Kevin Casey dominating the opening rounds, but Richie Martinez of 10th Planet in the, an Eddie Bravo black belt, pulling out the armbar submission in the second round of overtime. But the big, big story of the night was previously undefeated Craig Jones of the Danaher death squad, the Leglock King, defeated by Mason Fowler, um, a former teammate of his, by verbal tap that I think the ref was the only verbal one. Verbal tap, We love entire, that. In the entire thing that heard the, the verbal tap because there was no tap at all on the neck crank. And uh, Craig Jones lost his belt. But there will be a rematch. Mason Fowler confirmed it on his Instagram. And we should be excited for submission Underground 17.
1: And we look forward to future Grappling Guru uh, segments over there by Mr. Danny Koritz, our resident Submission Underground ADCC experts. So now, boys, we're on to what is become and what is looking forward to being a great card this weekend. We got UFC Fight Night, the first Fight Island Fight Night, I know we got a Wednesday night card. That's why we're recording uh, this late Monday night, uh, headlined by Calvin Cater and Danny Gay. But before we get to the main event, we're gonna walk through our main event challenge. So after one week of the main event challenge, Mr. Producer Kobe Koritz, please give us the results and our current standings so far. Yeah. Two
3: points for the victor of each fight, and one additional point if you get the correct um, form of victory there. And what
1: does that lead the, to a possible point total? Five
3: also? fights on the main card. There was a possible 15 points
1: yeah
3: um, <laughs> plus an additional one per five fights um in fourth place we have your host uh max with nine points in third place with ten points we have my brother danny is moving on in second place we have reese with 11 points out of a possible 15 and your aggregator kobe uh, with 14 of a possible 15 points. And the, those are our current standings. And uh, I will say that what I lack in true knowledge, I do have knowledge in aggregating your guys' opinion. And
1: uh, gonna, <laughs> stand on that. Thank you, Aggregator Courts, for the uh, current standings update of the main event challenge. I know we definitely still have to figure out what we have in terms of a SACO punishment as well as a, uh, a trophy win. I think the easiest way would probably be do it based off calendar year. So we have one winner per calendar year in that sense. But let's not talk about last week anymore. Let's get to this week. We got Calvin Cater and Van Ige taking the main event this upcoming Wednesday at Fight Island. And we are going to start off the main event challenge for the first fight of the night. Please correct me if I'm wrong on the pronunciations. I'm more of a speller than a pronouncer, if that's a word. Uh, yeah. So at a minus 310 clip, our favorite Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Coming off of a first round KO over Nico Price, is taking on Munir Lazes, the plus 250 underdog. So we're going to start this off. You guys know how we do our main event challenge. We do a rotation, Kobe uh, anchors as the aggregator. And we're going to start Reese with your pick for the Al Hassan Lazes fight. Um, who you got?
2: Yeah, I'll take Abdul Razak Khalasan by murder. Um, <laughs> we'll do that in, let's go, second round.
1: Second round by KO.
2: Murder's fine, but TKO also works. I'm and glad to see
1: By Strikes works as well. By strikes works as well.
2: No, that Danny doesn't works. work uh, in TKO the uh, KO. Abdul Razak Al Hassan.
1: KO TKO DQ, if we're talking Bovada speak here. Danny Kortz, who you got in the Al Hassan Lazez fight.
0: I'm I'm also on Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Um, by TKO. It's gonna happen early. Maybe the first time that uh, Muñez or Muñez gets um gets touched, <laughs> um, I think that Rizak out of a uh, Fortis MMA in Dallas is as big of a stud with the hands as you can find. Um, he put Nico Price out quick. I think I don't think that fight lasted even twenty seconds. Um, He is just, I think, two or three months off of being found not guilty from a double sexual assault allegation, and we are wishing Abdul Razak Al-Hassan the best in his upcoming bout.
1: Yes, thank you, Danny, for the uh, litigation update as well. Um, Yeah, in terms of my pick, I'm going with Al-Hassan as well, Uh, Mr. Judo Thunder. I think this guy is just one of the most elite strikers, at least in terms of a highlight reel KO type finisher that we have on the roster and I'm looking forward to him knocking out Mr. Lazez who comes in in his UFC debut only uh, about four months off of his last fight at in Probellum MMA I think Danny next week I want to get a little take on uh, your take on the Probellum promotion but I'm going with al Hassan as well by KO Kobe who you got the aggregator
3: yeah the aggregator strikes again Um, I'm gonna stick with y'all's pick on uh, Razak al Hassan. Uh, I'm going to go by decision, though. I'm looking at the uh, three-inch height disadvantage, and I'm just going to take the decision and ride it.
1: He's taking the decision. So the aggregator is not going to aggregate on the first pick of the night. Maybe feeling a little cocky after uh, last week's performance, but looking forward to that bout. is going to be Shiner, definitely a, uh, a highlight real fight.
0: For your Probellum update, I, I did only watch the most recent fight of uh, Mounier, but um, the dude has real power. The dude reminds me of when I just from um, the most recent taping of the Jerry Prochazka fight. Um, Interesting. In his most recent title fight, Mounier put the dude down in, I think, eight seconds. Like it was wow. Quick. And it was a 59 second finish
1: in his last fight.
0: Just a flurry of strikes that I think maybe 70% of them landed and they landed hard. So, aggregator,
1: good call on the pick for the two first round finishers with the decision pick. Leading off the uh, the first fight of the main card, but looking forward to that one. Looking forward to that one. I know we looked back on last week. We talked. We touched on our feature prelims. Uh, we each of us took a, a feature prelim. None of us talked about Mr. Prohaska. Definitely uh, deserves the respect of uh, his next fight. We definitely will be talking about him in greater detail. Um, yeah, with the second fight of the main card, we got Molly McCann coming in as a pickem against Talia Santos. And Danny, uh, what's your take on this one?
0: Um. I didn't, I didn't do a ton of taping for this one. Um, I, lo- I, I usually love watching Meatball Molly fl- fights. She's a yep. fun fighter. But I'm going to go with the Brazilian here.
1: Reese who you got on this one?
0: Uh,
2: I also got Tyla Santos. Um, uh, I think – so I've been watching – that's actually one of my uh, one bet so far that I have in the books. Um, the thing about it is she – Molly's big weakness is she's dominating people on the top, gets subbed. And she's, she's given up fights before. Um, Tyla Santos is well-rounded. She's no stranger to the ground. Uh, we're exactly where Molly wants to bring this. Um, I think Santos, uh, I got her at plus 110 earlier in the week, but I think that's an amazing line to hammer there. And I got, I got Santos by, uh,
0: let's go sub. Let's go By sub,
1: by sub uh, with the decision, with the, I, uh, I, with the finish.
0: I'm going to go, de- I don't know if I said, but I, I'm saying decision, by the way
1: decision for santos yes my pick for this card i am going with meatball molly mccann i think the ufc experience that she has will definitely prove uh prove very well in this uh in this white island card i am taking her by decision i think this is going to be a three round three round war both of these fighters not only have early ko experience but also three round uh decision experience as well so i'm going with mccann by decision kobe are you going to Equalize and balance the money on McCann here, or are you going to go with Santos to ride the uh, majority with the other guys?
3: Any opportunity that I get to leave you on an island, I'm going to go ahead and take. And so I will go ahead and take Santos by decision.
1: By decision. Mr. Koritz, the aggregator, aggregates with Santos via decision. You're
3: leaning into that one, aren't you?
1: In the Bantamweight division, what is going to be an incredible fight We got Jimmy Rivera coming in as a minus 140 favorite, taking on the recently victorious and uh, definitely have to send up some prayers for his brother, Cody Stamen, uh, coming off of a win in the Apex in Las Vegas a few weeks back at a plus 120 clip. I believe I am the uh, primary picker on this one. I'm going to take this one first. I am going with the underdog Stamen by decision here. I think this is definitely going to be a battle. I think both guys have the power to, to end this early, I think. Uh, yeah, Rivera, especially with one of the one of the set, best sets of heavy hands in the division, uh, someone I have seen live as well. But I'm gonna go with Stamen here. I'm gonna ride his momentum coming off his last fight at the Apex, and yeah, I think he's gonna take this one by decision. So I go Stamen by decision. Reese, who you got?
2: Um, this one for me is the hardest one to predict on the entire card. Yeah, uh, they're both dominant wrestlers. Um, they both definitely have their flaws. They both um, definitely have similar physiques. Uh, I want to go Cody. Uh, I love Cody, um, and I do feel for him. Um, I think the emotion will definitely be there for him, and I and I and I do hope he wins. However, uh, I think I got to go Jimmy Rivera by decision here. I think when you look at sheer strength and size, I think Rivera looks bigger at the 135 division than Cody does. I think when you look at their sheer their sheer skill set, it's so similar. Um, but I don't foresee Cody knocking anybody out. Jimmy might. Um, and as far as wrestling goes, I, I do think fundamentally, uh, Cody's the better, better wrestler. I just think that the difference just won't be there.
0: Uh, I'm going to take Jimmy Rivera by decision.
1: Reese takes Rivera by decision. Mr. Danny Coritz, who you got in this one?
0: Um, in this one, I am going to take Stamen by decision. Um, I think that as Reese said, and, uh, they're very similar fighters. Um, I think one of the main... Dif- I, I do see this staying on on the feet. I think one of the main differences really? is uh, Jimmy's boxing. And I think that um, Cody showed that he had a lot of trouble dealing with the boxing of Song Yudong, who's another great striker in the division. But he did figure it out in the end to uh, kind of get the draw. And so I think that uh Stamen's gonna take that and take the momentum he got from knocking out Baldy Ed Um or from the decision over Baldy Ed and uh get the decision victory over Jimmy Rivera here too.
1: And last but not least, our first place finisher in UFC two fifty one made event picks. The aggregator, Mr. Kobe Korrits, who you got in this one.
3: Yeah, I can get used to hearing that first place part of that. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go ahead and go with Rivera here by decision. Um, I'm, listen- I'm listening on. I'm, I'm, I hear Danny saying that it's gonna stay on the feet, and if it's gonna stay on the feet, the reach advantage goes to Rivera. If, if Rivera's got the boxing advantage, that's where I'm gonna pick.
2: I'm actually shocked by that, though, Danny. They that think that's gonna stay on the feet. I, I mean, really I, do. I can totally see it, especially because like Usman Covington, a lot of two yep. amazing wrestlers tend to stay on the feet. I just from two guys who don't strike, you know, that predominantly. I could see them trying to throw this into a wrestling match, but I also could see exactly what you're talking about where they they try to strike and stand and bang. Um but I when you first, the first said, that, first said, said the, that I was the, taken the back.
1: Kicks well we're stuff. also I, I at least I'm curious to see how guys who have fought already, um especially at a different venue as well yeah. in this in this post-quarantine life, bet, guys who've been able to figure it out. I think Roosevelt Roberts comes to mind as someone who hasn't uh, been able to get both, but a guy like Gilbert Burns and how quick he was able to pull momentum together, especially riding the emotional loss of losing a family member that uh, Cody had uh, a few weeks back. I'm really curious to see this fight. I think it's a big fight for both guys as well.
2: Uh, moderator, let let Danny take this one. I want to take the main event first.
1: Okay. I'm so,
2: up for the main event.
1: In our co-main event of the evening, we got a battle. A battle of two vets. We got Tim Elliott coming in as a minus 125. T- favorite, taking on Mr. Ryan Benoit. Am I, am I saying that right? Benoit, very good. There Benoit, go. Benoit, some, some Quebecois, as they would say. Uh, the plus 105 underdog. Danny, who you got in this battle, this co-main event battle of flyweights?
0: Um. So, I mean, it's your classic striker versus uh, grappler. Um, You've got Tim Elliott, who can't really do a lot on his feet, as you saw with the Roival, Askarov, and Figueredo results, Um, versus Benoit, who's got a lot of power and got a a lot of skill on the feet. Um, I'm going to go with Benoit here. I don't see Tim Elliott being able to take this fight to where he wants, and I see him having a lot of trouble because of that.
1: Danny goes with Benoit Danny, via... No,
0: I'm going to go decision.
1: Via decision. So, yeah. Reese, do you get this one, or am I taking this one now?
0: Uh, whatever you want. You can take it.
1: Okay, so I'll take this one. Uh, very interesting fight. Definitely not your normal co-main event, especially for a card of this magnitude. I think um, it, t- it just tells true. You're putting on four... Four events in two weeks. Um, definitely gonna have a little bit of thinner cards. I think these are both vets of the UFC guys who we have seen in the past. Um, I am going with Benoit as well, Danny. Um, I am doing this by strikes, by KO, I think yes, Elliot definitely has the ground. Uh, yeah, the ground differential and the ground advantage. He is one of the leading flyweight takedown artists that we have. But in a fight on. Fight Island, Um, going back to the circadian rhythm hypothesis I had last week. Although there were a lot of decisions, I still believe there are going to be more KOs uh, on these Yaz Island 4 a.m. local time uh, fights than we are accustomed to see. So I am going to go Benoit via strikes in this one. Reese, who you got?
2: So Tim Elliott, to me, is one of the underperformers all time of the UFC. Coming off tough 24, I honestly thought this guy was marked to – not necessarily deep-thrown DJ, but really makes some noise in this division. Um, as we all know, as you look f- into the future, he's not that. Uh, he looks more like someone that you'd see on Trailer Park Boys. Uh, <laughs> however, um, he's someone he that I tend to fade. Um, I think he his IQ is not there. He makes too many mental mistakes. I think his grappling is good, but he doesn't necessarily fight to score. Um, however... <laughs> I definitely am not a, a, a Ryan Benoit capper. I'm going to go Tim Elliott uh, by decision. And I think that fight's going to be shitty too. I won't lie to you <laughs> I think That fight's going to be one where they could have thrown that on the
0: prelims. Yes. And, and, and then – yeah. I'm surprised it's the co-main. It's, Dude, it's I, really I shocking, hate this fight. Especially
1: I, with I, the I, Rivera – the Rivera Stamen fight. Those are both names and every, they're both every, stalwarts every of the it, I'm
0: more excited to to see. Every fight yeah. And yeah, will the – uh, the headliner of the prelims, the Kamzat Chimaev. I'll, I'll get into it after we go through all of our picks. But I mean, that's a future star in in, in this. Oh, there's a lot. Chris Fish yeah. Jared Borden. There's a yeah, lot. Yeah, we're gonna of get
1: we'll get into those play. when we when we uh, feature yeah, our prelims just, of the I, week I as well.
0: Overall,
2: I, I'm forced. My hands forced into taking Tim Elliott here, but uh, God, do I hate this fight. <laughs> yeah, caught <laughs> them both and move on. Jesus.
1: So, yes, we get to our
2: fourth
3: and
1: final pick, the aggregator, Mr. Kobe Cordes. Who you got in this battle of flyweights?
3: Uh, I, you guys are gonna not, not really letting me get excited for this fight after all that. <laughs> but, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Benoit. Uh, I'll take Benoit by decision. Don't really have any analysis other than that. That's
1: Kobe, gonna... true or false on that one, you went with the cooler sounding last name.
3: The one I can pronounce is certainly Elliot Benoit,
0: I
2: thought about before I had to go for it. But, uh,
0: <laughs> so, interesting. Once you see
1: Ted
2: Elliott's mullet, you're going to regret that decision. I mean, he's
0: going to Chris Benoit, by the way.
2: Dude, he's going to rock the shit out of that mullet. Chris play Benoit. Way, and you're going to be like, I made a mistake. Benoit's
3: got a two, in- two inch reach advantage. and uh, also a two inch
1: pucker. Got-
3: I- <laughs> I don't like a guy that needs to get on the ground to have a chance, and that sounds like the analysis from uh, the 3AU says.
0: Way uh, Kobe, Tim you Elliot's know me. $2. I love taking grapplers over strikers, and I'm on the striker.
1: Which is an interesting factoid there. One interesting factoid from last week, we did have uh, 11 of the 13 favorites win on last week's UFC 251 card, as well as we looked into the, uh, the betting picks that we definitely are highlighting on this show. Uh, there were definite uh, favorites, especially on the main card, a lot of minus 200, minus 220, plus 180 matchups, and it's interesting to see on this card uh, the last three fights we have capped are all more or less pick 'em fights. So uh, curious to see how uh, the lines adjust as we get closer to Wednesday's fight night on Yachts Island. And yes, I know we're all we're all ecstatic about this one. This is a big time fight, especially with Volkanovski's win over Holloway uh, this past Saturday in the featherweight division. We got Calvin. New England born, Cater at minus 310, taking on one of the rising stars within the division and probably within the UFC as well in Dan EA at a plus 250 clip, the underdog. And Reese, we know you, uh, you sacrificed your top spot to select this one first. We'll have to look at the, uh, the amendments to our uh, original agreement to make sure that was uh, sanctioned by the, uh, by the bodies. But uh, yeah, who you got in this absolute all-star matchup in the featherweight division
2: so I am so beyond excited for this fight I think Dan Gay is slept on beyond belief yep I also think Calvin Cater is without a doubt in my mind close to Holloway but might be the best striker 145 has yep. I love Cater I love his killer instinct I think that if this if these picks weighted the underdog more um it'd be a lot easier to take Ige
1: Yeah. Why I I wanted
2: to surprise everyone here is because I am taking Ige.
1: Wow.
2: I love Cater. I have never faded Cater in my entire life. I think that Ige has a look at this fight. I really do. I think he, he potentially could be a bet at the plus 200 clip that he's laying at right now, almost 250, something crazy like that. Ige has the ground advantage, Ige has the grappling advantage. Calvin Cater definitely has a striking advantage. But you look at Ige's fights. He fought Edson Barbosa, a phenomenal striker. Cater lost to uh, Moikano. I mean, when you look stylistically, there's a chance Ige pulls this off. I think at plus 250, I I think Ige's going to shock the world. I think Cater's going to be back. I think Cater potentially will have a title fight. Um, But I won't lie to you. I'm going to take Ige by sub.
1: And if you want to make this fight even more exciting... Danny Ige's nickname, official nickname, is 50K. 50K. Danny, who you got in this absolute war we're about to have coming up on Wednesday?
0: So I had the pleasure of um, seeing Dan 50K Ige um, be true to his name and earn that 50K performance bonus with his knockout over Mursad Bektic at UFC 247. That was a great win. Um, It was a ton of fun. I'm a big Dan Ige guy. But I'm going to go Calvin Cater here. Uh, I think that, as Reese alluded to, his striking is just phenomenal. And it's, I think, especially when he gets in that pocket, which Danny Gay is going to try to do and try and get Danny Gay is going to try and close the distance. And I think that Calvin's striking in the pocket and his boxing is going to be just too much for 50K to overcome. I see this being a fun fight. I think there's going to be back and forth both ways, probably both bloody faces. I think it's going to be tons of fun, but I've got Cater by late KO.
1: Late KO Cater. Interesting, Danny. As uh, I, I make my pick here, this is going to be one of the best striking matchups we're going to have maybe all year. I mean, this is an absolute matchmaker's light. What a great job that Mick and Sean did to put this fight together. Um, yeah, I mean, not many people knock out Jeremy Stevens in the way that he did. Calvin Cater is arguably the best striker in the division right now. I mean, Reese, yeah, as we saw, Max Holloway, yes, he's got the volume, and yes, he's as technical as it come, but Calvin Cater's got that knockout power that we have not seen in the featherweight division since arguably Conor. And, yeah, I'm incredibly excited for this matchup as well. I am going Cater, and Danny, I'm right with you on this. I got late finish in this one mm-hmm. by Cater via strikes. I think this is going to be an absolute war, kickboxing war. There's going to be blood all over the place, and I cannot wait to be a spectator of this one. I got Cater, and I'm going to even go on a limb and say in the fourth round, he will knock Danny Ige 50K out and probably win the 50K himself, Mr. Cater. So last but not least, I may have to say it again, in our first place uh, thus far, Kobe Courts who you got in the main events of the evening.
3: Yeah, I, I'm not going to muddy the waters of y'all's analysis, but I'm going to go cater by uh, decision. Uh, looking forward to this fight, especially compared to the, the the lack of hype that y'all had on the co-main. I'm, I'm excited for this one.
1: Yeah, this is going to be – this has potential to be a fight of fight of the year candidate. I mean, we just saw Josh Emman and Shane Burgos go at it. This is a very similar fight and arguably even a higher-skilled fight, uh, especially on the feet as well. What a card we got coming up on Wednesday. I'm pumped. Y'all are pumped. Pumped for this main event. It's going to be a blast. And we've got more coming. We got Saturday. We got next Wednesday. We're going to keep it coming from Yaz Island. But before we go, as we did last week, we're going to highlight one prelim that we are most excited about. Uh, I'm going to bend the rules here, and I'm going to go first. And I'm going to take this Jared Gordon, Chris Fishgold fight. This is going to be an absolute war as well. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but Jared Gordon's entire uh, team did um, – did test positive and uh He's valiantly valiantly paul felder who was called upon to actually commentate this this entire card this entire night he is actually stepping in as primary uh coach for mr gordon i think this would be an absolute battle i do like jared gordon this one i think chris fishgold is a lot to handle but it's gonna be a great fight as well looking forward to it reese who you got is your feature pre oh danny
0: um Flash Gordon and Felder train together at Rufus yeah. sport. So it's yeah. it's it's not so much of a favor as he's doing as a he may be the only lifeline that um Flash Gordon has over on Yaz Allen.
1: Yeah. Interesting, interesting factoid there as well. Reese, who you got is your favorite prelim or your feature prelim of the night?
2: So, mine also was actually that Jared Gordon, Chris Fishgold. I think Fishgold's a great bet at the dog there. Um, he's a lethal fighter. I'll switch it up, though, because you threw me a little curveball, and I want everyone to really know. I think Ricardo Ramos, minus Ramos minus one, uh, 155, is a steal of a the line there. A lot of value there. So well-rounded. Um, I didn't get as much time to tape uh, Murphy as I would have liked, um, but I know a little bit about him. Um, and you know, I think, I think, uh, Ramos definitely is in value at 155 and, and uh, I really wish Shiner didn't snake me on that pick there, but I'll, I'll go, I'll go Ramos on the fly.
1: Ramos on the fly by Reese. And last but not least, Danny, who you got as your featured prelim of the night?
0: So for my p- featured prelim, this comes from a, a deep place in my heart. As some of you know, um, I have a list of fighters across all combat sports that, I, I just love that I just love watching fight that are the most fun guys I can think of. Uh some testaments on the list. It's it's Izzy, it's Craig Jones, McGregor's on that list, Cyril Gunn, Sean O'Malley for a while. It's 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 the guys I really, really put a a hard look at when they're up and coming guys. And the only guy on the list, besides AJ Agersam Agazarm, who has made their name on the list without debuting yet is Kamzat Chimaev. Kamzat Chimaev trains out of Sweden with some guys you might have heard of, like Alex Gustafsson, with Alir Latifi, with mm. David Tim- Tamer. Um, the dude is Khabib reincarnate. Look for an early takedown. Look for the second that he gets his hand on Aaron Phillips or on uh, – no, sorry, John Phillips, um, that's when the fight's over. It will be an early takedown, an early rear naked choke, maybe some ground and pound just for funsies, but this Kamzat Chimaev guy is the real deal. He's undefeated as a professional mixed martial artist. Uh, he's making his UFC debut this Wednesday, and it will be a fun one.
1: So, Danny, as we recap our picks to click, our one betting pick of the night is Mr. Chimaev, your pick to click of the night.
0: He is my pick to click and buy sub, by sub.
1: So that any, by
0: sub, by rear any naked choke, you can find a line that's going to give you a <laughs> method of sub rear naked choke round one.
1: Yes. That's a great pick. Love the, uh, the knowledge of the Swedish MMA scene as well. Love to hear that. We're researching boys. We're taking the we're, we're time here and we're, uh, yeah, we, uh, value as, uh, our listeners. And Mr. Koritz, Mr. Kobe Koritz, our executive producer, we don't labor him with the, uh, the idea of having to research all the prelims to find his feature. So what we do is we actually give him the pronunciation of the week. And uh, I think this is a pretty easy one for us to do here. There is a battle of two UFC newcomers in the third to last uh, prelim of the night. And I'm going to take a stab at it first. Uh, we got Modestas Bukauskas taking on Andreas Michalidas, and, uh, Kobe, you're excited to hear your uh, your pronunciations of the week. And God, it. I love
2: this sport.
3: <laughs> you know what? I, I think you took a lot of the luster out of that one by trying to attempt that before I did. And there's certainly no michelitas. There's no ch sound in Greek. So I'm not going to go with that. Uh, I will call it back to our sponsors real quick. I'm sponsored by uh, uh, Abu Dhabi and Yazlinks and some of the ambassadors to to Yazlinks, uh, Shubanka Sharmer. And uh, um, Lahiri, Jazz Jazz Jane Watanannan. and so those are the pronunciations.
1: <laughs>
3: um, but uh, I appreciate you calling it out, and uh, uh, next time let's uh let me do the pronunciations,
1: okay, Mr. Coritz, Then we're gonna put you on the spot. Then we have Di- Diana Belbita taking on her opponent in the second prelim of the night. Let's try the pronunciation of the week on the opponent for Diana Belvita.
2: Danny and I need to be here for this. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm
3: <laughs> so I don't even know what this flag is. Is it Georgia?
2: Is it red and white? Yeah. And Georgia, I guess.
3: Okay. So it's Liana, and the last name, <laughs> it looks like Joshua, but I'm not going to say that it's Joshua.
2: Joshua. <laughs>
1: Joshua. We got Liana Joshua as <laughs> our pronunciation of the week.
2: Is that racist?
0: What if it is just Joshua?
1: What if it is Joshua?
0: Here's the real question. Does anyone know if this Joshua woman trains with Murab? And if so, Oh, Philly? Mm. I Interesting. love Dabalic Philly. Her team we love our Georgian A- fighters. A- and by fight that team. I mean we love Murab.
1: Well, <laughs> Murab also fight. He trains small. under <laughs> Matt Sarah uh, BJJ, though, with Ally Quinta. Okay. And yeah, he's out of that Long Island camp, actually. Murab. I
3: don't know if this helps. Her fight team is uh, Akhmat's fight team.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, Oz- me right. homie Azmat. Number
1: one horror in all of Kazakhstan. Oh, Jesus. All right. I need all to right go to so, yes, that will be it for the future prelims. Uh, we appreciate everyone for coming on and listening. Uh,
2: Parker that
1: shit. We have a great, <laughs> great card. We have a great, great card coming up on Wednesday. We're looking forward to producer Parker Reho's taking this video and running with it, uh, as well as the audio. Yeah, we appreciate his efforts, although uh, we have not seen them yet. We are looking forward to those efforts. And, uh, yeah, that was a great, great episode. Looking forward to the fight coming up on Wednesday. And we will see you guys on Thursday to handicap Saturday's Fight Island card. Over and out.